0: Hello, and welcome back to another rousing episode of Baseball is Dumb. I am your host, Ian, and with me, as always, is Mr. Johnny. How you doing? I'm pretty good. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you feeling? I'm really making you fly blind into this one, so... Yeah, I... Unlike some of the last episodes, I know
1: absolutely nothing about this upcoming one, so I'm pretty excited.
0: Yeah, um, I am too. Especially, it's been a while since we recorded. There was a whole winter storm here, and <laughs> dislocated shoulders, and... It was, life got, life got crazy. And so, um, <laughs> it didn't always have great opportunities to record and, and write, but I've got a good story for you today. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited. I'm ready. So, um, I, I want to ask you a question. Like, do you think baseball is like a punishing sport? Not necessarily physically, but like, like emotionally or spiritually. Yeah, I definitely do. Like, I think
1: baseball, there's a lot in baseball about momentum. Mm-hmm. I've seen games turn around like on a dime just because like, oh, that guy got like one, even if it's not like a big hit, like maybe drove in a run yeah. or, you know, there's like a, there's like a two out rally or something like that. And that can completely change <coughs> the entire outcome of a game or a season, depending on. The yeah. Answer, or like, just the
0: like, postseason. you know, one misplay, one error. You know, as we learned with uh, Fred Merkel, just yep. one mistake and one can ruin, mistake can ruin everything. Um, so yeah, I agree. I think baseball is one of the most punishing sports, just like emotionally, because also because it's such a slow burn too. Mm-hmm. Like it's a very long game. It's the pacing is pretty slow. So like when it's bad, you just gotta sit in it and marinate in that awful feeling let's be honest most of the time baseball is boring as hell oh absolutely (laughs) we were talking about that you know last time like how did baseball even survive the 1800s 1900s because it was such low scoring games like
1: nothing happened it's a bunch of drunk guys on the field Mm -hmm. and it's like well
0: why do people want to watch this which (laughs) admittedly would i would love to see a bunch of drunk guys try and play baseball Yeah, yeah baseball will just hurt your feelings over and over again. And it's said that there are like baseball gods who will dictate the outcomes of games. And sometimes the gods punish you for their own twisted amusement. <laughs> and I don't think anybody knows this better than Andy Hawkins. Do you know who Andy Hawkins is? I do not. Well, on one July day in 1990, Andy suffered an almost biblical punishment from the gods for no reason. All right. And we all got to watch. Oh, no. So, like this, a lo- like,
1: this is, like, modern. So, like, all of the other episodes have been, like, pre-1940, for most part.
0: Yeah, well, I guess Albert was also 90s. Yeah. But, yeah, we've had two, like, kind of old ones, with uh-huh. the the Gladiator and then Fred. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, this <laughs> <clears throat> this happens in, you know, 1990. And Andy mostly played through, like, the 1980s and a little into the early 90s. And we'll talk more about that. But... Like a lot of strange religious events, our story begins in Waco, Texas, oh where Andy was born on July 21st, 1960. Now, for those of you who don't know, uh, Waco is a, not small town, it's like a decent size. Yeah, not
1: small <clears throat> anymore. Sure. Yeah,
0: like a medium city, I guess, kind mm-hmm. of in central Texas. Um, it's about, you know, a couple hours north of Austin. And a lot of people in Texas call Waco wacko because a lot of just (laughs) bizarre shit happens there. And a lot of it is sometimes like religiously motivated. Yeah. Baylor is in Waco. Yeah. Baylor, the, uh, yeah, the, the Baptist college is there. Uh, Waco's probably most infamous incident is uh, David Koresh with the branch Davidians Mm -hmm. and his stand up with ATF. I found a theory as to why so much like wacky, like, wacko religious stuff happens there. Mm-hmm. It's because that Waco is on the same latitude as Jerusalem and <laughs> a river runs through it. The Brazos River runs right through it. I don't like that, <laughs> but I believe you. <clears throat> yeah. Like, the latitude isn't exact. Like, they're both on like the 31st parallel. I guess you would call mm-hmm. it, but like it differs there. But yeah, they're both on 31. <laughs> um, so this is where Andy is born is where he grows up. He began pitching in little league when he was eight years old. And growing up, Andy, he just grew up faster than all the other kids. And he's tall. He's like six four. Mm -hmm. But his whole life, he's been like very introverted and kind of shy. So he's always very quiet. And that didn't really sit well with his dad because his dad thought, well, Andy, if you're going to be an athlete, you're going to have to toughen up. So his dad was always like really hard on him because he wanted Andy to just be like, you know, a really fierce competitor. But sure. Andy was always just super nice. Like, his whole life, everybody <laughs> just talks about how <laughs> nice he is. Like, for example, once Andy threw a three-hit shutout, and instead of congratulating him, Andy's dad was, like, really critical of his performance. Like, he was asking, like, why he would throw certain pitches when the batter already had two strikes on him. What the hell? <laughs> yeah. Um, usually, it was like his dad would just be super critical, and then, you know, he'd, Andy would get mad at him, and then the mom would be kind of the mediator. So it was like good cop, bad cop right, kind of right. thing or um once his dad even grounded him for giving up too many walks in a game that he won
1: <laughs> what? like what this guy sucks well <laughs> i guess there there has been a history of texas sports yeah and texas people in texas they breed their kids for sports.
0: Yeah. Like reading about this, I was like, this is a very Texas dad <laughs> yeah. that Andy has. And Andy would later say in his life that he was kind of thankful for it. Um. Sure. Uh, but yeah, so Andy, he made his high school baseball team and he also played football where he was an excellent kicker. He averaged 46 yards per punt, and even made a 55 yard field goal. That's crazy. Yeah, which at the time was like a 4A record for like his high school region. Wow. Or wow, that's really good. Um he was even offered a football scholarship from Baylor University but Andy loved baseball so much so he he skips on the scholarship and he just goes right into the MLB draft. Wow. And he was taken 5th overall by the San Diego Padres in 1978. Wow. I'm going to give like, you some- as like as like an 18-year-old. <clears throat> yeah. First round 5th pick.
1: That's crazy.
0: So here's some other names from the nineteen seventy-eight draft. The very first pick was Bob Horner, uh yeah, legendary infielder for the Braves. He won Rookie of the Year and three MVP titles, All Star player. Uh Mike Morgan was also taken in front of him. He was an all-star pitcher who played for twelve different teams across twenty five years in the majors. <laughs> this dude literally played from nineteen seventy eight until two thousand two. Oh my god. Yeah. I think that's two years shy of Cap Anson's record of twenty seven. But wow, that's a that's insane. Yeah. Some of the names that were drafted after Andy was Kurt Gibson, and Cal Ripken Jr. Oh
1: my god! I didn't realize Cal Ripken was was drafted in the seventies. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I
0: thought he was drafted in the eighties. Maybe that's when like more of his career started. Yeah, flourishing. yeah, for sure. Yeah. So he gets drafted by the Padres, and he just goes off, and just goes right into their minor league system. Mm-hmm. But that was a really hard transition for Andy. Um, his parents said Andy called them about once a week and it always sounded like he was on the verge of tears. Like I said, he was a, like a really introverted guy mm-hmm. and everybody's playing with like a lot of like 90% of them went to college, but he just got out of high school. Mm-hmm. And while four years maybe isn't like the biggest age difference, like you're a very different person once you get out of college for sure. And so he just had a really hard time connecting with everybody. Um, he even said it was hard because, uh, most people he played with were either super religious or on drugs, which this kind of stands out as weird to me. Cause I feel like super religious or on drugs actually describes Waco pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, why wouldn't this guy be used to it? He lives in yeah. Waco. <laughs> so it's, it's just going tough for him. He just feels very alone. And it, like, it's really hard to like make it playing minor league baseball. Like you're on uncomfortable buses the pay is really not very good. You're sleeping mm-hmm. in a bedroom you share with like four other people. Yeah, like it's it's it sucks. Like, yeah, it's even, really bad. even now minor leaguers get oh, paid yeah. like under the poverty line. Yeah, it's it's just awful. So it's really tough. And then things got harder for him because he was while he was playing single A ball in Reno, he was he was just having trouble getting guys out. His curveball was his most reliable off speed pitch, but it just seemed that like everybody was hitting it. He just couldn't get any outs with it. Mm-hmm. And he said he almost quit. And wanted to go back to Texas and play football again. But then he started developing a slider, which was going against the wishes of his coaches. I don't know why, but they just wanted him to keep working his curveball. Mm-hmm. But he works on the slider, he gets it really good, and it ended up being his saving grace, because then he's just started getting people out again. And then he starts uh, climbing through the ranks of the Padres minor league organization, excuse me. <laughs> So in 1982, he's worked his way up, and now he's playing AAA ball, which is right below major league level. And his mid-season ERA was 2.17 through 132 and two-thirds innings.
1: That's really
0: great. Yeah. So he's doing awesome. He pitched three straight shutout appearances with 30 consecutive scoreless innings. Oh my god. Crazy. Yeah, so Andy's back, baby. (laughs) Um, So yeah, this performance is obviously really impressive, so it got him called up to the major leagues. Wait a sec. Yeah. Let's break this down for a second. Yeah.
1: You said three straight scoreless appearances. Yeah. Over 30 innings. That means one of those games ended in 0-0 and they had to go into extras. Maybe, I
0: guess. Um, Which is is like, that's
1: understandable. But also I think that's really funny. (laughs) Yeah. Whenever a game ends in 0-0 and they have to go into extras. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I mean, 30 consecutive scoreless innings and three outings. That's just bonkers. So yeah, he gets called up. And on July 17th, 1982, he made his debut for the Padres. In his first major league start, uh, he didn't do very well, which is like, yeah, yeah, (laughs) it's really hard to play baseball, as it turns out. He only pitched three innings, giving up four runs off of five hits and suffered the loss to the Montreal Expos, who are now the Washington Nationals. Mm -hmm. That offseason, the Padres sent Andy to the Puerto Rican Winter League, and on his first start, he threw a no-hitter. And then in 1983, he kind of bounced between the major and minor leagues. He wouldn't become a regular pitcher with the team until 1984 when he was in the bullpen as a relief pitcher. Okay. Now, during this time, the manager of the Padres was a guy named Dick Williams, which is not funny. And he <laughs> treated up. Andy in a kind of a similar fashion to his father. Uh, Williams said of Andy, quote, I never saw a Texan so mild, quiet, and nice. <laughs> I don't know if that's a compliment or an insult. Maybe a bit of both. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like like I'm somebody who's like nice to a fault, so like I kind of get it. Yeah. <laughs> so he was pretty tough on Andy, and Andy eventually was given the nickname the Timid Texan just because he was such a quiet, like, like a, private, introverted dude. Yeah, he just didn't say a whole lot. But things did smooth out between Dick and Andy after Andy confronted him about being pulled from games so early. So Andy just literally goes into dick's office and just shuts the door and sits down and he's like hey man why do you keep pulling me like why don't you trust me Mm -hmm. and uh andy said quote by me coming in i think it changed his opinion of me i don't think he thought i'd do it i don't think a lot of people did but we've had a good relationship ever since okay (laughs) so yeah good good for you andy sticking up for yourself as it turns out healthy communication skills can get you pretty far in life (laughs) I can, I can vouch
1: for that. Hell yeah.
0: (laughs) Um, so the 1984 Padres were awesome. They won 92 games that season, finishing first in the NL West, and they went off to the playoffs to face the Cubs in the National League Championship Series. Yeah. So there's no like divisional series or wild card round yet. Mm -hmm. Those didn't come till the mid nineties. So you go straight to the championship series and it's a best of five series during this time. Um, which is bad because the Padres suddenly found themselves two games to nothing. (laughs) So, not a great hole to be in, but the Padres came back and they won three straight games to earn their first trip to the World Series where they faced the Detroit Tigers. In Game 2 of the series, Andy came in to relieve Ed Whitson in the top of the first inning after Ed gave up three runs to the Tigers. While Andy was on the mound, he held Detroit scoreless while the Padres scored five runs. He pitched into the sixth inning and the 5-3 scoreline held to the end of the game, and Andy was given the win. The Tigers would eventually win the World Series in 5 games. And uh, you know how many times the Padres have been to the World Series? Twice. Once. Once. <laughs> that was that was the one time. Yeah, this is the one time they've been to the World Series. And so, as of the recording of this podcast in March of 2021, Andy is the only pitcher in Padres franchise history to have a win in a World Series game. <laughs> Good job, Andy. <laughs> Go, Andy. <laughs> So the 1984 season would be the only time Andy reached the playoffs with the Padres. Uh after 1984, the Padres kind of tanked, but Andy stayed pretty solid and he he stayed with the Padres until 1988 when he became a free agent. Uh his 1988 ERA was 3.35, which is really good for the for the time. Yeah, yeah. And for the 1989 season, he was offered a 3-year, 3.6 million dollar contract from the Yankees. So of course he accepts. Yeah. It. It's the Yankees, they have more money than God. yeah, um this is just a little tangent i I was just curious, so I looked up the inflation on this three point six million dollars in nineteen eighty nine is about eight million bucks today that's a like for three years for th- yeah that's yeah
1: that's a that's a like that's a great deal yeah that's that's fucking awesome but for also, a bullpen? Like, like
0: for a relief pitcher. Well, he's a starter now. Oh, now he's a Yeah, so, okay. yeah, he's a starter now, but uh, that's just crazy to me that 3.6 million is like more than doubled in value in just 30 years. Like, that's bonkers. Yeah,
1: it's, it sucks. <laughs> um,
0: so yeah, at the time, it was the largest contract offered to a starting pitcher in Yankees franchise history. Um, obviously that doesn't hold anymore because Garrett Cole was given infinite money. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like, yeah, you know, um, we're just gonna
0: find all
1: of this money to give Garrett Cole.
0: It was it like three hundred and twenty four million or something? It was crazy. Know. They it hurt. It yeah. hurt so bad.
1: <laughs> it it was crazy. It was yeah. like an astronomical amount.
0: I had, it's like literally probably only the Yankees can afford that. Yeah. Literally only the Yankees. Maybe the Dodgers. But yeah, the Yankees. Yeah. So yeah, Andy goes to the Yankees and he's psyched, like anyone would be. Um mm-hmm. He said, quote, I thought this is going to be great. I'm going to be here for three years and be in three pennant races. Now, you would think that joining the most winning franchise in the history of Major League Baseball would be a good thing. But really, Andy's punishment was only just beginning. Oh, no. So he played for the Yankees from 1989 to 91. And in that time frame, the Yankees' average winning percentage was 437. Not even over 500. They didn't even win half their games. That sucks. Yeah, they never placed higher than fifth in the AL East (laughs) while Andy was on the team.
1: What? Oh my God.
0: Who was like, was it, I guess it was the Red Sox, huh? I guess, yeah. I didn't, I didn't look who was like dominating the, uh, the AL East at this time. Um, but it definitely wasn't the Yankees. Yeah. Like, I feel bad for Andy, but not for the Yankees. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like, I should clarify, this is not an anti Yankees podcast. But it's not a pro Yankees podcast either. No comment. (laughs) The Yankees are a team that we acknowledge. We are fans of the game here. (laughs) 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 Yeah. So they never place higher than fifth. Um, and Andy's first year with New York was pretty rough. He finished with a 15 and 15 record on the mound while the Yankees posted a 74 and 87 record. Now, like pitcher win loss stats, like really aren't. That reliable because it's not always up to them mm-hmm. to get a win as the pitcher. You have to start the game and pitch at least five innings, and your team has to be winning when you leave the mound and stay winning. Yeah, and stay winning, and that's how you get the win. But you can suffer the loss whenever you want. You can face one batter, give up a home run, and if you if you lose like one to nothing, then then you you lost. The then game. you lost the game. Yeah. So it's really finicky and not really a great stat to rely on for like a pitcher's value. Um, but I'm just trying to, I'm just telling you what happened. <laughs> um, so I was 89 and 1990 was even worse. The Yankees finished with a 67 and 95, which was good for last place out of all seven AL East teams at the time. Oh my God. And Andy finished with a five and 12 record. <laughs> That's yeah, pretty bad. That's how bad the Yankees were at this time. Just the offense never picked him up. So on June fifth of the ninety season, Andy was carrying an ERA of eight point five six.
1: Ooh, that's terrible. Yeah,
0: that's a. It's almost a run an inning. Yeah, that's that's a that's a yikes. (laughs) That's that's really bad. So the Yankees offered him a minor league assignment. They're just going to you know send him down. Yeah, he's getting you know designated for assignment. But Andy refused. You can refuse these things, but when you refuse those assignments, the team is most likely just going to release you. Yeah. And so Andy's like facing, you know, now he's just going to be another free agent back out on the market. Yeah. It's it's basically, you basically get fired. Yeah. And (laughs) it's probably not great to, uh, you know, get yourself released when you're carrying an 8.56 ERA. Yeah. (laughs) Especially when you've been offered the largest contract and you didn't end up turning out, which isn't entirely his fault, but still. Yeah. However, his fellow starting pitcher, Mike Witt got injured. So Andy was able to keep his spot in the starting rotation. And he made good on his opportunity. He had three great outings in a row that lowered his ERA by a run and a half. So it was like 6-6 six, six now or something? Yeah. So the first start, um, Yankees lost 2-1. Second start, they won 7-6. to six. And the third start, they they won 8-2. to two. Unfortunately, Andy got a no decision for all of these games. Oh,
1: goodness. Okay, well, no decisions are always hard.
0: And so a no decision is just like, let's say you're winning... When you leave the mound or you're losing, if you're winning or losing when you leave the mound, well, no, if you're winning when you leave the mound and then the relievers blow the game, that's not your fault as a starter. So you get a no decision. You're not, you're not stuck with the win or the loss. Mm-hmm. Conversely, if you're losing and then the off your team's offense goes off and ends up winning the game when you've come off the mound, you know, you didn't. Yeah, you won, but it wasn't because of you. So you're not going to get the win. Or the loss, because he didn't lose, so that's no decision. Yeah. So, this brings us to the day of reckoning. Oh, God. July 1st, 1990. (laughs) The Yankees are playing the White Sox in Chicago. It was the 80th and final season the White Sox would play in Comiskey Park, and this was the last game the Yankees would play in that stadium. Because just across the street, Comiskey Park 2, Electric Boogaloo, had almost finished construction. (laughs) Is that what it's actually called? That's the real name. Oh, okay, cool. (laughs) Maybe and like, i should watch white Sox more often yeah <laughs> well they're, they're gonna be an exciting team next few years they got mm-hmm. a lot of they're, they're up and coming they got some stuff and uh like a lot of strange biblical events uh the weather was pretty crazy that day <laughs> um like it was a sunny day in chicago but it's chicago so it's really windy at times the wind is gusting up to 16 miles an hour now what that doesn't tell you is because of comiskey's layout That caused wind to just swirl around, like, violently inside the stadium, effectively creating a mini tornado in the park. That's crazy. Like, this game, you can watch it on YouTube. All two and a half hours of it are available. (laughs) And literally, whenever you see, like, just a guy take a step and dirt comes up, it just immediately goes everywhere. Like, like, the the wind... Yeah, the wind is so, so strong. And the White Sox are awesome this season. In 1990, they finished with 94 wins, but missed the playoffs because it was just... If you weren't first in your division, you didn't make the playoffs at all. Yeah. That sucks. Ninety four wins and you don't make the playoffs. Yeah. Who is who else is in
1: central AL Central? Twins?
0: Well, this is um the AL Central doesn't exist yet. Oh. Yeah, okay. it's just the it's just east and west.
1: Oh, that's right.
0: Yeah. Um uh. I'm pretty sure White Sox are AL East. But also yeah. there's some like weird stuff. Yeah. Like Yeah. They like do- the
1: Rangers are in AL West for some reason.
0: Who knows? I don't know. So Andy would face off against Chicago's Greg Hibbard, and he came into the game carrying a 2.59 ERA. And both pitchers carried perfect games through the first four innings. Andy's perfect game ended when he issued back-to-back walks in the fifth. So perfect game's over, but he's still got a no-hitter going. Mm -hmm. That's when Chicago's Sammy Sosa... Yeah, that one. <laughs> yeah, that one. Um although this is this is his first full season, so he hasn't really become the Sammy Sosa we know today. He was carrying like a 2.33 batting average at this time. Okay. Which is totally decent, but like it's, it's not, not like Sammy Sosa. Allowed. Yeah, it's not when you think of Sammy
1: Sosa, you think of like Yeah, like big, the power hitting, big, slugging, big smasher eating yeah, a balanced eating breakfast balanced every day. <laughs> I had one of those jokes lined up. <laughs> <laughs> make the joke, make the joke.
0: No, it's it's out there. He said it. Okay, all right. Um so yeah, Sammy Sosa comes to the plate and he nearly ruined the no hitter and the shutout after he crushed a ball to left field that on any other day would have been a three run homer. Like you know when you're watching a game and you see a guy hit the ball and you just know, like, that's gone. And you hear it, and it like yeah. it sounds like this guy has just like smashed his bat into the yeah. ground. <laughs> So that's what it looks like on, on the footage. It's like, that's gone. There's no way that's not gone. But the tornado giveth and prevented it <laughs> from going out. Left fielder Jim Layritz, Layritz, look, Jim Layritz caught the ball. And like he's tracking it. He's like backing up on the warning track and he goes to the back wall, like the outfield wall, and then he catches it. Crazy. Like without the wind, that, that yeah, would have, that would have been way gone. gone. Yeah. And also, Jim Leyritz is a name I'm going to need you to keep in the back of your head. <laughs> the name sounds very yeah. familiar. We're going to talk about him some more in a minute. So, um, Hibbert carried his perfect game into the sixth when the Yankees got two base hits, but neither runner would score. And then both pitchers got through the seventh inning cleanly. The eighth inning is when judgment was handed down. <laughs> okay. Oh, no. <laughs> I just kind of talk through this. <laughs> you get through it. Um, so Andy got the first two batters to pop out. They both popped out to second base. Oh, great! Two outs. It's yeah. It's like he's got he's got move. it. But once again, the only thing standing between him and the final of the inning was Sammy Sosa. Oh, no. So Sosa he hits a really hard chopping ground ball to third base, and like those are just those are tough plays because it bounces so hard, and you have to read the bounce just right. Like those are tricky plays. And the Yankees' third baseman was a guy named Mike Blowers. Um, do you want to guess what his fielding percentage was at the time? No, it was 885. That's really, <laughs> that's bad. really, really bad. <laughs> so in the footage of this Blowers he's, he's reading the ball and he kind of like tries to backhand it, but he just knocks it down and it just goes straight down right in front of him. He manages to pick up the ball and throw it to first cleanly, but not in time to throw out Sammy Sosa. The scoreboard flashed a hit for Chicago for the first time all day. So the no-hitter's gone. Or is it? Because the scoreboard operator is not the official <laughs> scorekeeper of the game. Oh, no. The operator had jumped the gun. <laughs> the scorekeeper that day was Bob Rosenberg. He ruled the play an error. And so, you know, if a runner reaches on error, that's not a hit. So the no-hitter's still going. Um But Blauer said, <laughs> quote... Well, he could hear just, like, a bunch of noise coming from below him, so he looked down at the Yankees' dugout and said, quote, the Yankees in the dugout were giving me the finger. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. Um, To be fair, Andy does dispute this, so that might not be true, but like other things on this show, it made me laugh, so I included it here. (laughs) Now, okay, so this is tough, because as a pitcher, you really have to keep your emotions in check, and so... This is just hard to handle emotionally because there's all this confusion. And Andy said, quote, I went from, oh, it's over to, oh, I got to get it back going again. Yeah. So he gets kind of shook, but now he's got to try and settle back in. And, you know, he even said, like, I honestly wasn't all that, like, worried. Like, I still had two outs. I just need one more out. And then we're, then we're good. Then, then it's over.
1: Yeah. Then, um, then it's the end of the eighth.
0: Yeah. But, like, Andy is a little bit shook and his control... Kind of wobbles, because he then issues back-to-back walks to load the bases. With two outs. With two outs. So this brings up Chicago's Robin Ventura. He comes up to the plate, and he's carrying a .249 batting average. And this is his rookie season. He would finish seventh in Rookie of the Year voting. So, you know, pretty dangerous bat that comes up to the plate.
1: Yeah, Robin Ventura, he's a good player. Yeah, he's
0: really good. And so he comes up, and he just hits a high fly ball to left field. Now remember who's in left field, Jim Leyritz. Um, he's not supposed to be in left field, but he is. Leyritz is also in his rookie season, and he mostly played as like an infielder and like a catcher, and he was really good. He had a nine twenty nine fielding percentage, so he's a solid fielder. But he's in left today because there were a ton of injuries on the Yankees, and that just kind of forced New York to put somebody out there. Yeah. So Jim's out there, and he's already made a couple of good catches today. He made a really good one, like a diving catch in the first inning. Mm -hmm. So he's out there. He's tracking the ball. But the tornado giveth, and the tornado taketh away. Oh, no. (laughs) So and this is kind of hard to watch on the the video footage because the ball is just flying wildly in the air. It just keeps drifting. Yeah, it's in a vortex. Yeah, Jim never really got a lock on it. He tracks it as well as he can. He puts his glove up, but the ball bounces right off of kind of like his, like the heel of the glove, his wrist, and just rolls into the left field corner. (laughs) Jimmy even said, quote, the ball looked like it was going to my right. So I took a step to my right, but then I took a double turn and I went after it. I thought I had it, but the caught, the ball caught more of my bare hand than my glove hand. Uh, so Ventura gets to second while three runs score. Oh. Chicago three leads double. three to nothing, shutout gone, but the play is ruled an error, so the no hitter is still going. <laughs> an error on what? The tornado? The, on Jim Lehrens. <laughs> he didn't, like, because it, it hit his glove, but he doesn't field it cleanly. They gave him an error. <laughs> and not a hit. Okay. All right. <laughs> so this brings up Ivan Calderon. And he comes up and he hits a high fly ball to right. Uh I, I so mean, Jesse Barfield's in right field for New York, and he's amazing. Barfield was a gold glover twice, and he had a def- a career defensive wins above replacement of twelve point two. Yeah, that's
1: really, really good. Yeah,
0: that's a that's like hardly any errors, a ton of runs saved, probably a lot of outfield assists too, mm-hmm. throwing guys out. Like that's amazing. Uh he was like one of the best right fielders in like the entire nineteen eighties and early nineties. But the tornado giveth, and the tornado taketh away. Because Barfield battled not only the tornado, but the sun also. Oh, and he too boots the ball. Ventura scores, and Calderon goes to second. And once again, this play is ruled an error. <laughs> Who is this ruled an error by? The scorekeeper? Yeah, uh, uh, Bob Rosenberg. Oh my god. <laughs> so Andy does get the final out of the inning on the next batter. And he walked back to the dugout with his no hitter still going, but losing four to zero. What? I know. I thought this was pretty classy by the Chicago fans though, cause as he was walking off, they all stood up and gave him like a big cheer. They gave him a big standing ovation. That's good. Good for, good for the White Sox fans. Yeah, like, it was really nice to just like see that happen, like in, on the footage, because Andy's face, he's just like shell shocked when oh. he's like, what just happened <laughs> like it wasn't his fault it w- it wasn't <laughs> it really wasn't his fault it was a little bit for issuing the walks but like his defense did not pick him up no. right here three errors in one inning and, and there was a tornado <laughs> and a tornado yeah um so we go to the ninth inning but the Yankees don't score and since the home team is leading of course the bottom of the ninth is not played right but this is significant because that means that nobody comes out to pitch again. Specifically, Andy doesn't come out to pitch again. So his final stat line is 8 innings pitched, no hits, 4 unearned runs, 5 walks, and 3 strikeouts. And Andy was officially credited with a no-hitter. And a loss. And a loss. (laughs) But his punishment is not done. Oh no! His very next start, I'm serious, his very next start, came against the Minnesota Twins, where he pitched a shutout game into the 11th inning but lost the game in the 12th after giving up a pair of singles also with two outs. It's the two outers.
1: <sighs> I know like to being in having two outs is the most dangerous position to be in.
0: Yeah. Well, that was crazy. Um, what was that? The, the, I guess, 2018 ALCS between the Red Sox and the Astros. Like the Red Sox got like 80% of their runs with two outs. Yeah, the, exactly. It was like, how? <laughs> yeah, they just, like, some, something
1: happens when you get two outs. It's like, all right, you think, I just gotta finish this up. I just yeah. gotta finish this up. And it, it like, it changes the way you think, and then it changes the way you play, and then it changes the entire, like, atmosphere of the game.
0: Yeah, the whole situation. Of it's it.
1: crazy. It's it, insane.
0: And I guess as a hitter, you know, like, okay, like, we only have one more out to spare before we you have to go out and field again and they get their turn on offense. So like, yeah. like we really got to read the pitch as well and just get on base, you have you, to, know? you have to clutch it out. Yeah, you really have to get that clutch going. So, as of, <laughs> also as of this recording, in March of 2021, Andy is the last pitcher in MLB history to start a game and pitch into the 12th. Wow. That hasn't happened since dead ball era. <laughs> wow.
1: That's like, Kind of surprising. Yeah, I would, I would think like one of the like maybe the sixties seventies. Yeah, some of those or actually, I don't horses. know for
0: sure if it's last time since Deadball, but like nobody's done it since Andy. S- yeah, since nineteen. Yeah, and it became pretty rare for pitchers to pitch that long after Deadball, once relievers became more of a thing. Yeah, <clears throat> I mean, I guess you did have more like you know the the old school like like Roger Clemens types who could pitch entire game and like Nolan Ryan, yeah, who has the like a million complete games. He's like he has like whatever, yeah,
1: a million complete games and he has a bunch of like yeah. crazy stats because he just pitched all yeah. the time and he was like, yeah, I can finish off this thing.
0: Yeah, he would just do it. Uh, he'll he'll punch a guy in the face. The guy he punched gets ejected, and then he stays in the game and finishes it. That was Robin Ventura. That was <laughs> <laughs> that was Robin Ventura. Nolan.
1: That's that's one of the big right. reasons I know Robin Ventura is because Nolan Ryan got him in a headlock and beat the yep. crap out of him.
0: Oh man, this is. I love how all these characters keep coming back, and, <laughs> and just like everybody's kind of a small part of just bizarre, crazy stories in this stupid, stupid game. I love it. There's so much that, that happens and that has happened. <laughs> Baseball's the best. It's <laughs> so good. So, of these two starts, Andy said, quote, my two best starts in my life, probably, and I was over for 2. Yeah, that sucks. That's um, just
1: the worst. That um, would, like, be the worst feeling in the
0: world. Yeah. Well, it's, that feeling's about to get even worse, oh. because his punishment is still not done. No. <laughs> so, you... You remember back to our um uh, episode about the professor coming in and throwing a perfect game after Babe Ruth punched the umpire? Yeah. <laughs> um All so right. yeah, his perfect yeah, game. Yeah, he had a perfect game and then it got taken away. Well this is the same guy who took the perfect game away. Nineteen ninety one, the commissioner is Fay Vincent, and he founded the committee the Committee for Statistical Accuracy and Change Around definitions about what a perfect game was and what a no hitter is. So not only did they take away Ernie Shore's perfect game, they also ruled that to qualify for a no-hitter, you must pitch nine innings. So this took away Andy's no-hitter, and he would never throw another one.
1: So even though he pitched eight no-hit innings, and finished the game with eight no-hit innings, he lost.
0: Yeah. Well, even the, uh, the manager of the Yankees said, like, With the three extra outs we gave Chicago, like, he basically pitched nine full innings. Yeah. But they're like, no, (laughs) it's not an official no-hitter. This guy sucks. What's what's this guy doing now? I hope he's (laughs) in the the (laughs) hospital. Anyway. right. So, you know the old saying, misery loves company? Well, Andy's not the first pitcher to have lost a no-hitter, nor the second, nor the third. But the 11th pitcher to throw a no-hitter and lose. 11th? The 11th. It's rare, but it's happened a lot more times than I thought it yeah, would. Yeah, I thought it would be like maybe three or four times. So the last person to lose a no-hitter before Andy was Ken Johnson. And Ken Johnson had a reputation. He was known as the tough luck pitcher. Uh-huh. Cause he was really good, but like he hardly ever got any run support. Something I like to call the Felix Hernandez syndrome. (laughs) I was just about to
1: make a Mariners joke. (laughs) I was literally just about to make a Mariners joke.
0: Well, Ken Johnson played for Houston back when they were called the Colt 45s. Oh, wow. And a lot of this happened while he was a member of Houston. Oh. Yeah, but Ken pitched his ill-fated no-hitter against the Cincinnati Reds on April twenty third, 1964. So Andy's around. He's four years old when this one happens. Yeah. Um, the game was a scoreless tie into the ninth when two errors scored Cincinnati's only run. The winning run was scored by Pete Rose. Of course. (laughs) These guys, they just keep coming back. Yep. Um, following that game, a Mexican or somebody who was posing as a Mexican voodoo practitioner called into the Colt's Spanish radio broadcast show and told him he could cast a good luck charm on Johnson if he could get one of Johnson's gloves. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, did he? Did it work? I don't think so. I
1: think this guy just wanted free stuff. <laughs> I don't know if they actually gave it to him. Hey, I mean, after that, I figured it would be worth a shot, right? <laughs> a, a Mexican voodoo practitioner. Yeah. I'd love to hear that radio broadcast.
0: <laughs> but Andy also wasn't the last to lose a no hitter either. Just the next year, in 1992, Boston's Matt Young also pitched an eight inning no hitter but lost two to one to Cleveland. He was giving up a bunch of walks and Cleveland was stealing bases a lot. Yeah. But they never got a hit, but they still scored, you know, two runs this way. Um, Take advantage of what you got. Yeah. So he has an eight inning no hitter. That was the first game of a doubleheader. Cause in the next game, uh, Roger Clemens came up. He gave up two hits the next game and it was a shutout. He pitched a complete game shutout, two hits. So over, yeah, over in 18 innings of baseball, <laughs> Cleveland got two hits. In two runs. But not in the same game. Not in the same game. <laughs> <laughs> That's so stupid. That's so stupid. Um, even as recently as 2008, uh, Jared Weaver and Jose Arredondo of the uh, Los Angeles Angels pitched a combined no-hitter but lost to the Dodgers one to nothing. <laughs> this is also an eight-inning. Or, eight-inning yeah, eight-inning, eight-inning, eight-inning combined no-hitter. Yeah. So Andy pitched in the majors until 1991. Um, the Yankees traded him to Oakland, and he played there briefly. And then he even had a short stint with the Mariners and their minor league system, but he would never return to the majors. Following his retirement, Andy went back to Texas, and uh, he just kind of worked odd jobs and maintained his ranch, though he would eventually return to baseball in 2008 when he became a bullpen coach for the Texas Rangers, a position he would hold until 2015. This adds a little more tragedy to our story, because not only does he have to live in Dallas, but he was also part of the Rangers' back-to-back World Series losses. I <laughs> that oh man especially gets the cardinals game six the 2011 world series the rangers were one strike away from winning the world series twice in one game i remember that but like oh good for david freeze man like he's from st louis Mm -hmm. and he saved that game yeah legendary he he,
1: he, like he does they deserve it yeah they totally do
0: he lived the dream what a what a crazy game so, um, in 2016, he was hired as a pitching coach for the Omaha Storm Chasers, which is the Triple A team for Kansas, for the Kansas City Royals, a position he still holds today. Andy's career stats are a 1.3 wins above replacement, 4.22 ERA. He has over 1,500 innings pitched and over 700 strikeouts. Of his crazy no hitter, Yankees manager Stump Merrill. <laughs> Stump? <laughs> I promised myself I wouldn't laugh. But his his <laughs> name is Stump Merrill. Um He said, quote, you're not going to see a better performance. In his interviews immediately following the no-hitter, Andy just struggled to find the words to say, and he mostly just said, I'm stunned. When asked about this game in a 2015 interview, Andy simply said, quote, that's baseball. I couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> I really couldn't. Yep, like, what else are you going to say to that, <laughs> about that?
1: What do you, how do you feel that you blew a no-hitter in 1990? That's baseball.
0: Yeah. You yep. mentioned no hitter and loss. What does that feel like?
1: How is this bad? <laughs> like, how are you yeah. How Yeah, it feels pretty shitty. <laughs> I feel pretty awful about it. <laughs> no, you're not going to say that. Uh, say, just, that's baseball. Yep. That's well, how it goes sometimes.
0: Yep. Dude, what a wild... It's like there's a way this game is supposed to work on paper... But sometimes it just doesn't. And you still have official games like, yeah, this is what happened. Within the rules of this game, this can still happen.
1: I feel like the rules are more just guidelines. Yeah. Like like everyone knows how baseball works. You know, Mm -hmm. you you got a pitcher, you throw the ball to the batter, the batter hits the ball and he's either out or he gets on base. Mm -hmm. That's how baseball works. If you get people around the bases, they score runs. That's how that works. Sometimes it doesn't happen. Sometimes,
0: sometimes it just like doesn't happen. Yeah, like it's it sounds like such a simple game, but the outcomes are so wildly unpredictable and oftentimes stupid. Most of the time, <laughs> most stupid. of the time, really stupid. I don't know. How do you feel <laughs> now that we've reached the end of Andy Hawkins' story? Why
1: do you always give me these like depressing stories? <laughs>
0: I don't know, I think they're kind of funny.
1: <laughs> they're, they're very funny, but it, like, it's because of the tragedy of others. <laughs> yeah, I guess. it's be- it's. Andy was punished three times in the same season.
0: For no reason. For no
1: reason. He didn't do anything wrong. Other than the baseball gods have yep. said, Nah, this man, the baseball I God. think I will make him suffer.
0: The baseball gods, and then Faye Vincent was like, No, I want to be pedantic about it. Uh... Remember, even when you do your best, you know, you did your best, and that's really all you can say, even if it didn't work out. And sometimes it's not your fault,
1: alright? Sometimes it's not your fault. Sometimes everything is against you,
0: all at the same time. Yeah, if you're having a bad time, ask yourself, do the gods just hate me right now? (laughs) For no reason. The answer might be yes. (laughs) In Andy's case, it was. It was. Baseball is very dumb. It, it's so stupid. Andy, like, you know, to this day, he's still, you know, quiet, introverted dude. And he says, it's always like, whenever his players find out about that story, that's just the first thing they ask him about. And he's like, oh, God. Like, why,
1: did, why did this happen? <laughs> he's going to have to live with that for the rest of his life. I know.
0: It's like, he had such a solid career, but it's it's going to be remembered for like one week, basically.
1: Yeah. Yeah, this guy pitched from, you know, he pitched for like over 20 ten, years. Yeah, 10 years. or Yeah, 78. So, like, over over 10 years. But,
0: so yeah, he started in the minors. But, yeah, 10-year career in the majors. Started in 78. So, yeah, you had a very respectable, solid baseball career. Only going to be remembered for this <laughs> crazy no-hitter. It's like... I don't know what I was going to
1: say.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. no. Andy didn't have anything to say either. It happened at least. (laughs) What are you you supposed to say about this? I'm stunned. (laughs) Yep. We're stunned. I'm stunned. That's baseball. (laughs) I'm stunned. That's baseball. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um, So thank you for listening, everybody, Uh, as always. Sorry that we didn't have an episode come out for a little while. Um, But yeah, we're back. Uh, We got some more uh, crazy stuff coming for you. I really like recording this. I like finding these stories. I like telling them. Be sure to follow the show on social media if you don't already and leave us a review. We're on a few more platforms now. We're on like Pocket Cast and like Google. Uh, so I've expanded us. We're we're growing. Awesome. We're, we're, we were a baby and now we're a toddler. <laughs> now we're a big baby. Now we're a big baby. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big baby. Uh, thank you for listening, everybody. I hope uh, you learned something and that you enjoyed it as much as I did. Um, Johnny, any parting words, anything you want to plug? <laughs> That's baseball.